welcome, 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 welcome one, welcome all, welcome back to the Soda Pop Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hankins, and we're here today on season three, episode 21, and we're here with the amazing, incomparable, wonderful, awesome Mr. Michi Miko. Everybody give it up. Yes. <laughs> how you do, how you doing today, Mr. Michi? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Okay. So tell us, like, um, just tell us, I mean, you don't really need any introduction, but just for the people who aren't aware of who you are and what you do, give us, like, a brief description of, like, what you do and who you are. Um, well, um, Michi Miko. Um, those in Florence may remember me by my other name, but... That's fine. So it's just Michi. Um, I'm from Florence, Alabama. Um, Grew up there and I live and work in Atlanta now. And I'm an artist and I've always been an artist. And uh, that's sort of like the short introduction, I guess, if, if, you know, if, if that's it, right? You know, if we just doing like the short one. Yeah, of course. Can I, well, I, I apologize. Yeah. Can I call you Mr. Miko? Is that okay? Because I called call you. Just call okay. me Michi, man. Okay, cool. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, I just kind of called you Mr. Michi earlier and I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> we didn't set that up. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. Okay. No, nah, that's cool. You, you, you can call me. I'll, I'll respond to uh, whatever you call me. <laughs> that. Okay. So you said you, you mentioned you were from here. Um, so like, what was your like origins and like, how, how did you get into art? Like, what was like the moment where you were like, art is something I definitely want to pursue and get into and, and things like that? Um, like the, the honest answer, I, it's, it's like, I remember being like in kindergarten and being fascinated by being able to draw and like wanting to stay inside and not go outside and play, but wanting to draw. And at that time they had um, those big sheets of copier paper, like copier paper used to be like a 12 by 18, like it was huge. And, and it came in like a folded stack. And like, I just remember wanting to draw up all that paper. And so, but from there, it's like about fifth grade, you know, I got to do the lunch menus and do all that stuff and do like um, the, the bulletin boards and all that stuff. And then around about eighth grade, I think I designed like the eighth grade t-shirt and so like that, that kept me going. And, and I mean, it's, it's a whole lot of stories like that. Like I had my first art show when I was like in high school at the, at the library at uh, Bradshaw. And so that, that, that got me hyped. And then um, right when I got into college, I was able to sell like two paintings for 600 bucks. And that was like the most money I had seen at one time. 
And so I put that, that check on the refrigerator for like weeks to show like my dad and my mom, like check out all this money I made, you know what I'm saying? And then like one day my dad came in my room, he was like, okay, you can take it down and cash it. We get the point. And so like, that was me kind of saying like, that's what I'm gonna do with my life. Like I'm gonna be an artist, you know what I mean? And, and I remember like having a conversation with my mom one time in church while the preacher was preaching. And he was preaching about the parable of the talents. And uh, I asked my mom like, well, well, what's a talent? And she was like, well, you got a talent, you could draw. And I was like, oh. And she was like, well, but in, in, in this story, he, he talking about a different kind of talent, you know, it's gold or money or whatever. And so I, I, I took it as like, if you bury your talent, you know, the Lord will take it away. So I've, I've been determined to not uh, disappoint the Lord and have him take away my talent. <laughs> so, so in a way, if you wanted to be super religious about it, I, you, you could say I'm doing God's work, but, but those are just like some of the, some of the like sort of stories that, that just like, sort of kept me fueled, like to continue to pursue art and do things. And like, like around that time, that was when the African medallions was big too, like in the nineties. So I, I was making African medallions and selling them to people. Then when I started going to UNA, I, I thought I could start me a t-shirt line. And so I was, I was doing like these iron-ons and, and selling them to people on campus and I don't know. I just, I just sort of embraced it. Like between that and skateboarding and doing graffiti, like that's, that's kind of all I wanted to do in my life. Like that's, that's, that's it. You know what I mean? Like that's, that, that's kind of it. That's really, but, nice. you know, it is it, a, a lot. Right in there. <laughs> yeah. So would you say that like schooling has had a profound impact on like shaping your art, like high school and college and uh, elementary school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that's like teachers take interest in students for a reason, you know what I mean? And I don't, I, I, I think my, my high school art teacher was, um, um, Pat Rutherford, Weatherford, Miss Weatherford, she she took an interest in, in me like becoming an art, like an artist and like, you know, like how, how teachers can coax you along. Like they can see something in you that you can't see in yourself yet. So so I, t I take that. And, and I think like going to college and like, which I didn't want to do at all. Like I, I wanted to go, um, snowboarding that's that was my plan because at the time i was skateboarding real heavy and i was like well the next progression is to like try to go pro at snowboarding or something like that and just go out west and my mom was like you could go but you got to leave your car and i was like well how am i gonna get there <laughs> you know so i guess from 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 that I went to school and then yeah like like in college it, it felt like I had a freedom to just continue to grow and develop and become an artist and sort of exist 
in my own space. And it got so bad to where I had learned how to break into the art department at um, UNA. And so I would go up there after school, late into the night, and even the security guards were just like, oh, it's just, it's just Michi, he's just up there working. Like that's, that's how obsessed I was. And like, you know, your friends, like they want you to come out and kick it, you go party or do whatever. But I was like, well, I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna meet y'all out. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I would, you know, do school the whole day. Then like I could get to my, my, my studio at the art place when nobody was there, no, no students was there, no professors was there. Like, so nobody could tell me what I could and couldn't do, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I had my own giant art department all to myself, cause I would just break in and, and do art all night. <laughs> so that pretty much goes to show that you were always pretty passionate and pretty driven about uh, doing it. Cause you did it after hours when nobody was there and you did it like nobody was telling you to do that. You just did that on your own because you loved it so much. I think yeah, that's like that's this is it's what I wanted for my life. Like that's that's it. Like yeah. But it, it also like school also helped me learn like you know discipline. Not like like it take a lot of discipline to do this. Like I'm I'm really lucky or fortunate or whatever the words are you like, but you gotta have like some discipline and some work ethic along with some kind of creative talent. So if, if go to go back to the other story, if, if, if the Lord already gave me a talent, then, then all I gotta do is just keep working. So that's, that's, that was the easy part for me. Yeah. Okay. So then, at the current moment, like, tell us, tell us about like what you strive to make in your current works. Like, um, we seen your uh, exhibition at the Tennessee Valley Art Museum, um, and 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 mm-hmm. it was really amazing. I want to know, like, personally, like, what you're trying to say and how you're going about saying it, if that makes sense. Like, I, I know the tool, you used a lot of different tools and stuff. Like, it wasn't just one medium. Um, like, you used, like, charcoal and, like, the gold stuff, too. So, like, what are you? What were you trying to say with this particular collection? And how did you go about trying to express what you were trying to say? Oh, okay, okay. So, overall, like, my work... There's, there's a lot of layers to the work that I'm making. Like, like the work itself has a lot of layers, but the conceptual thought behind the work has a lot of layers. So in, there's this giant question that I have, um, um, that I'm asking myself in terms of art, art history, and, and in terms of like the story of black people right, in America, right? So how do, how it's like, how does one paint the black experience without using the figure? So if you notice, it's all abstractions. So I have this giant question of, can I use marks, mark making, abstraction, 
ideas, conceptual thoughts to create a narrative of my, not only my existence, but an entire people's existence through these works. And can these works then convey an emotion within the viewer? So that's like the overall sort of big question. But like some themes in the work are about resiliency, they're about buoyancy, they're about this sort of heroic narrative. A lot of my work, I, I don't wanna focus on the trauma of black people in America. And it's like, why would I paint, you know, some sort of trauma, someone hanging from a tree, a noose, a Confederate flag, or any of these things, when there is a photo of that, that represents that better than what I can do. Like that is reality. And that reality for me is nothing to play with. So why would I continue to put that in the world? You know what I'm saying? So, so that's, that's one of the things I'm dealing with. But then there's also this layer of where I'm looking at what it means to be black in space, not, not like outer space, even though some of these, these, these works, they do look very futuristic. They do look very Afro-futuristic. They look like the future. But what does it mean, say you, me, can walk into a, to one room and change the entire room, that space, just because we are black males? And what does that mean? So how does this black male body how do these black male bodies move through public space and rearrange that space and what it means to rearrange space, but also move freely through space without being afraid to move through those spaces. So there's like a fearlessness there that's in the work, that's in the mark. And, and then from there, there, there are other things that I'm thinking about too, because I'm thinking about my own sort of um, mental health and what that means. And what does the, what is the word I want to use? What, like, what does an idea look like? What does a panic attack look like? What does fear look like? What does joy or excitement look like in these paintings, but using very limited color. And, and so, so there's a lot of sort of philosophical questions I have about my own existence within these paintings, but there are a lot of sort of art concerns, art history concerns or, or abstract concerns or mark making concerns like how does this black lay next to this black that lays next to this black? Cause some of those blacks are just two different colors. Like if you look behind me, like on this, you can see there's just two very strong blacks, but they're all called black, but they're very different, you know, sort of um, values of black. So, so that's something that I'm dealing with too. So in sort of, in, in terms of material, but, 
for 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 the sculptural work that I don't I don't think that I sent any sculptural work to um, to the museum, but um, I'm I'm very interested in in taking common objects that we see, you know, things that people discard, and then trying to change the narrative of those objects. So can a headboard become more than a headboard? Can a, a, a lobster buoy become more than a lobster buoy? Can that lobster buoy now represent me trying to float or my people trying to float or anyone trying to float? And so, and that's the beauty of, of the abstraction is, is that it, it everyone can gather something from from the abstract but there is a clear message that i'm trying to send and it's like um jazz or or like the improv or it's like um it's like freestyling you know what i'm saying but but there's a skill to it all so so like those are some of the layers or, or things that i ask myself often when I'm trying to make work, or when I when I'm dealing with 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 um, what what I'm you know what I'm, what I'm doing you know. I do want to ask you something as an aside as well, and you don't have to answer this. You don't want I'll, to. I'll answer. <laughs> okay, cool. I hear you. Uh, you know, I I we watched an interview you did uh, around 2015. Okay. I, I I remember you saying because you mentioned it again about buoyancy and I it seems to be something that's like a reoccurring theme and I just wanted to know if you could shed some light on that because I want to know like personally like what that means to you um, obviously there's uh, implications but I just wanted to know if it was like anything deeper than that well yeah 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 okay so so 2015 was like like things were starting to bubble again, like for my career, like there's been like moments where it's like, oh, I'm about to go to the next level. Oh, I'm about to go like, so this was like a, ooh, I'm fixing to go to the next level moment. You know what I'm saying? And so I was making work about being buoyant. I had this idea, I'd gone camping at the beach and at the time I was trying to, um, not sign with this art gallery because I didn't want to be a sellout, right? Because I've, I've sort of built my career myself. And, and so like, here I am like about to give up some of my, you know, my, my ownership in myself and, and put and let somebody else, you know, drive, you know what I'm saying? So, but I went camping in my, and, and, and when I woke up that morning, I, I opened my tent and I could look out. And the first thing I had in my head was like, you could either float or you could either sink. And then I was like, well, I believe I'll float. And so from that moment, I started to think about what it meant to be buoyant, what it meant to be. Uh-oh old school <laughs> to actually go with, you know, um, to actually go with the flow. Like, okay, the phone rang, we still buoyant, we still doing the, the interview, right? So that, that could be an example of buoyancy, right? 
like, oh, you got a problem, boom, you're not worried, you know how to go, you know how you're gonna solve it, whatever. So we're trying to be buoyant. But then at, at the same time, I had um I was watching uh reruns of uh Good Times on 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 YouTube. And there's a line in Good Times where it says, keeping your head above water, making a way when you can. So that began to stick in my head. And I was like, man, I might got something here. Like I might run with this. So I started making the work, doing all, a lot of research about Africans and water, black people in water, why the stereotype exists that we don't swim. Um, and then I started learning about these Africans who could dive to the bottom of the ocean, come up with fists full of gold. And like I started reading um, like the uh, European explorers notes <clears throat> and they would talk about African surfing because that was something that I, 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 I had gotten in, into my head like, oh, black people know how to surf because that's another thing that's on my list to do. And, um, but then I read these accounts of, of these men surfing and then came the Polynesians and surfing. So the Africans were surfing first and then they were in these notes where they would talk about young boys, young African boys would uh, wrestle sharks for fun just to prove that they were men, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so it was all these things about water sports and, and things that people were doing, fishing and, and you know, the Europeans, they were looking for riches, they were looking for gold and the Africans would dive down, come up with a fistful of gold and then just let it fall because the European couldn't swim. He could only dog paddle. So the stroke that you know, the breast stroke, that, that full stroke, that's an African stroke. You could read history, anybody can doubt me or whatever, but you could go and read it. Because at, at that time, the Europeans, when they would try to come in to, 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 to shore, the boats would flip over and the Africans would have to go out and save them because they could swim. The European thought that too much splashing, it, it wasn't, um, it didn't look pretty, but that's the thing you need to do to save your life. And so they would dog paddle. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I might have that note. I used to have it right over here, but I'll, I'll, I'll look before when we get off, I'll, I'll, I'll look and I'll read it to you. I'll, I'll show it to you. And um, so I started thinking about all this stuff and making the work about buoyancy, about floating. So I, cause I had a historical, I had historical accounts, historical facts that prove my point that I like, like all of my work, I'm trying to make bulletproof. So like, if you come at me with something, I can just tell you the truth. Like, I don't, I don't have to lie about it. Like you can go look it up yourself. Like, yeah, like if you, if you don't believe me. So I started thinking about all this, all of the research, segregated pools, all the things like my dad couldn't swim, but I could swim. Um, like, like all this stuff, it just really started thinking about it and like, why, why, why did the stereotype of, of, of black people not being able to swim? Why does it exist? What caused that? The trauma that caused that? Africans who tried to swim back, jumped off the slave ship because they were proficient swimmers, all this stuff. And so I made this show. It was called um, Pursuit Almost Drowned. 
And it was the last part of this sort of mantra that I had, that I um, took from my old neighbor, Tyrus. And he had this mantra where it was like, fear kills pursuit, pursuit kills fear. And the only thing after that is to pursue, right? So that's what I was doing. I could either float or I could, you know, sink or drown, whatever. So I did this, this, this show called Pursuit Almost Drown. It was all about floating, it was all about black bodies floating, blah, blah, blah. Very next day, I go out in my kayak with my friends. They came down from, from Nashville to see the show. It was a big to-do. I was selling work. It was a lot of red dots. We was making money. I was making money. And that very next day, I went out in the kayak, five minutes on the water, boom, flipped. Actually, almost drowned. And I could swim, but I was in a current. It was like crazy. It was messed up. It was traumatizing. And I promise you, when I was in the water, it felt like this hand came and took my fishing glasses. It's like, boom, just like a hand came and just took my glasses. And I was like, what is that? And I'm like, this the the second pair I done lost in this river. And I just bought a brand new fishing rod. That was gone. The boat was flipping. I'm underwater and I'm tumbling around. I was like, well, I guess that's the light. I guess I better go to it. And so I went to the light. And of course I picked the right light because we're here talking. And I was hanging on to, a, to the boat because I had thrown the anchor to try to get to stop. And from that, my friends had thrown their anchors and they threw ropes and all this stuff. And after all the commotion, I got, they, they went on and went fishing. We went to the, to the side of the, of the bank and I sat there and I was like, y'all just come pick me up right here because I, I only went five minutes. So they left for six more hours to go fishing. I just sat there by myself, traumatized, right? And so, but the only thing I could think of was, was like, it will take you, she will take you, and nature does not care. I don't know who it was, who she was, but I knew who, I knew what nature was, right? Because I had this brush with nature right now or with death, right? And my friend, before he left, he was like, well, I guess you're going to make a lot of money now because you absolutely almost drowned. <laughs> and so I sat there and I fished. I had my lunch and my first aid kit and, and my old janky rod. Not my new, I lost all my new stuff, new glasses, new rod, all, all the stuff gone. So my friend texted me, how you doing? I told her what happened and she was like, oh, that was mommy water. She was like, that was an African water spirit. You should look it up. I was like, yeah, right, whatever, okay. So I Googled it and everything that happened in that belief system about mommy water is what happened to me. She took all of everything that was shiny and new, she took it. Like I said, somebody, I felt like somebody took my glasses. I lost my brand new glasses, lost my rod, lost um, 
I lost all the new shiny stuff. And and the only only thing I had left was my old rod and my first aid kit and my lunch. Like that's all I really needed for a fishing trip, right? And so the more I, I researched and thought about this person or this spirit that that happened in, in the water, it was like the legend goes or the belief system is that she'll come take everything that's shiny, new and fabulous. She'll take that from you. And if you survive the encounter, she'll bless you and you'll become wiser, you'll become wealthier, you'll become good looking, all these things, right? So at that time, there's a photo of that too. I could send it to you of me like coming off the water. At that time, I didn't have a beard because my beard was going gray. I was ashamed of it, right? So I just let my beard grow out after that. I promise you two weeks after that, I got the biggest paycheck ever I got in the mail. The, the most money I ever seen. It was like some people's salary for a year, right? And so I got that in the mail. I was like, well, dang, it must be something to this mommy water stuff, right? So I really started thinking about it. And that's how I arrived at the whole buoyancy thing. And then, but the, 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 the kicker to the narrative of mommy water and that belief system is that she will come back to visit you, right? She'll come in a dream. And about a month or two later, I was sleeping. You know how you, sometimes you fall asleep with your, your feet on the edge of the bed, right? So I fell asleep with my, with my feet on the edge of the bed and I felt like this lady come up and she touched my feet. She's like, hey, Meech. And I woke up and I'm like, yeah, what's up? I was like, oh, what's up? You know how when you see it, you know, you see a chick, you know, it's like, oh, hey, you know, what's up? And she was like, come with me. And I was like, I can't. I was like, I got stuff to do. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, I promise. I was like, I got a lot of stuff to do. She was like, okay. And then boom, she went away and I woke up like, oh, she actually came. Check this, peep game, right? So every time you go to the, um, the ocean or to water, you're supposed to take her offering, right? And so I started doing that. Like, it'll take some beef jerky I got in my bag or throw a couple cigarettes in the water or pour some whiskey in the water. Oh, here's an orange for my lunch. I throw that in the water. So maybe I have a good fishing trip or a good blessing, right? So I go down to the beach. I love crabbing too. So boom, I'm throwing my crab pots out. I'm like, man, I'm not catching no crabs. And then it seemed like, I used to wear this necklace and it had a shiny whistle on it. And this, this lady made me this necklace. So if I ever got in trouble again, like around water, I could blow the whistle. Somebody could come help me, right? So I went to throw my crab pots back out there and it was like the whistle just snapped off. It didn't hang up. It didn't, I didn't hang it on nothing. It just like, like broke off, went into the water and I just fell out laughing. I was like, oh, she wanted the, she wanted the whistle. I was like, my bad, threw my pots over. I was like, well, you got that one. I promise you, dog, I filled up two, I filled up a crab basket, the quickest I ever filled up a crab basket after that necklace fell in. Like, it was, it was, a, it was amazing. Like, you don't just go catch a basket full of crabs, like, okay, I'm good.
it was like a 30 minute crab trip. So, so that's how I stuck with the water themes. That's why I stuck with the buoyancy themes. It's, it's like from me waking up in a tent, trying to sabotage my career to me actually doing the thing that was that I was trying to sabotage and then actually almost drowning and then thinking about like just black people overall in America trying to remain buoyant and 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 get that wealth and get whatever it is that we're after to be left alone all the things to to this work like so that's the very long story of how that work happened or happens or how I arrived at all of that <laughs> absolutely amazing thank you for sharing that with us that was amazing and yeah. i'm totally like more curious about like more of the the text and stuff that you say you're reading so please yeah send that to me i'd love to to research that and read all those things yeah i'll, I'll um we'll we'll i'll, I'll send you the the the, the 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 uh the mommy water stuff and, and you can look at it it's it's like we, we you, you know, like you can just, what is the, what is Mami Wata's spirit? Yeah. You know, it's like the sea, mermaids, markets, healing luck, money, music. You know, it's like a, a, a water spirit, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, and so like, that's what I'm saying. Like I always tried to put my work in like a historic fact. Or, or somewhere where you can trace a long history so that, okay, if you want to challenge me on that, then we can, you know, we can talk about the narratives or, or these philosophies that I've dreamed up or, or these narratives that I've weaved together in sort of this complex story to, to, to try and make these paintings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that make any sense. <laughs> oh my gosh this is gonna be a great episode <laughs> oh my goodness well listen i think i have time for one more uh let me uh let me ask you we probably should did a lightning round <laughs> <laughs> i know oh man yeah, yeah you gotta come back we gotta we gotta get some more uh yeah let's, let's do it uh so uh what's next for me Shimika? what 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 else do you have i know you mentioned about the african surfing that's something you wanted to still do but like yeah. like i mean if, if you don't have uh like a list or anything just something mm -hmm. you want to tackle and and things like that what's next for you um for me next professionally or personally like let's like how we what do you how how are we defining next i'd like to say like I'd say both. as an artist or both. Well, okay. Let's, let's see if we can do some short answers. Um, okay. Right now, at, at, um, me personally, I'm uh, trying to still trying to learn, still trying to teach myself things. Like over the pandemic, I I taught myself to play the ukulele. Um, I taught myself to tie fishing flies. You know, like me personally, I'm just trying to grow as a person and sort of learn as much as I can. Like I'm learning like more about stock markets and more about, you know, just just more about history or more about 
about these things that that I that I have these great questions about. So I'm I'm just trying to learn more. And I guess as an artist, it's it's the same thing. It's like what more can I do with this work? Like what more can I say? What other narratives or what other stories about people can I say about black people can I say? And then can I make that relate to all people? And and so I think I think overall I'm I'm just trying to grow as a person and as an artist and not like be stagnant or or feel like I've given up on life or or any of that stuff. So who knows? Who knows what's possible un, until we just say F it and go for it or try it, you know, and either we do it or 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 or, or we don't. But but more than that, just working on my on my mental self saying no to people is being been fun um so i'm i'm like really being picking and choosing like this this is one of the the the, the picks that I'm, i i agreed to do so kudos to you and um thank you for being you and and i hope that this podcast grows. I hope that you grow another podcast that becomes um, um, bigger than, than this podcast, but not to this, this podcast, but it's all, all about growth. And so I hope that you can, if this is the thing that you've chose, the passion that you have, like, I, I hope that you can, can grow that passion and, 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 you know, do the American thing, profit from it, because that kind of paycheck is easy to cash and easy to make, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, so that's it, man. Like I'm, I'm just trying to grow as a person or, or got a lot of demons that I need to exercise. <laughs> or, or just like, oh, you just walk beside me and just stay over there. <laughs> like I see you, but you just stay over there. <laughs> Oh no, man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Uh thank you for that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, um, man. That's really nice. And um I will take that. I I take that uh to heart. Thank you. I really do appreciate you saying those kind words to me because that was really nice. Um and no, I, I want I want you to be successful at it. And like, okay, yeah, you're doing this for school now, but what what are you, you going to do when you when you're done you know what i'm saying so you can you can you can build that now like just use the school's equipment <laughs> <laughs> yes just, just break into the school like i did <laughs> yeah but but that's one of the things that i always tell like young artists too is like when while you are in school right school provides you a lot of opportunities they have equipment and things that you don't have and if you don't take advantage of it, it's not going to be there when you get out of school. Because it, it, I mean, it, it, it took me a lot of years to, to build up all these tools and all this stuff that I have. It took a lot. So while you're in school and they, and you paying them, you should rob them. Like straight up use the equipment, <laughs> straight up see if you can get away with, hey, starting a podcast at after hours. And can you get into the art department after hours? 
Like you're paying them money. Take advantage of your professor, take advantage of your school, take advantage of the institution. Don't let the institution take advantage of you. And like, don't come out of school not knowing anything or having built anything. Like, don't, oh, I got a degree and gonna go get a job. Sure, yeah. But what is that money worth that you are spending to make you a better person outside of school? You know what I'm saying? So while you're there and they got all the equipment, just do as much as you can. Like, if your professor is cool with it, run it, like do it. And if that's the work ethic it takes to, to do this podcast, another podcast, plus another podcast, then do it. Like, take advantage of them because they taking advantage of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's the real thing. <laughs> that, that's why I always tell students, if, if a sheet of paper hit the ground and it's free, take it. <laughs> if somebody leave a pencil, take it. <laughs> I feel that. Shoot. Goodness gracious. Well, thank yeah, because, you so because you want something, you want something for your time. You want you want your education to be worth it. That, that that's all I'm saying. No, yeah, that's true. That's true facts. I definitely agree with you. Um every everything we want to this is such a huge part of people's lives and the youth uh the part of young people's lives and it's 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 like it's integral to build something before we leave because so many people they don't and they like you said they'll let the institution take advantage of them mm -hmm. and uh it, it won't be as beneficial because like you said being resourceful and using the things around you like all this equipment and stuff that's it makes the most sense to, you know, you're paying the money, so you might as well get the most out of it. So like, yeah, like, get, get, get some after hours permissions and do you some projects, man. Like yeah. do you do you some projects? Like, Hey, start whatever podcast is going to be like, go, like graduate, you know, like knowing what you're going to do, like knowing, like you already got mapped out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I was done at UNA, I, I, I had so much art that it, it wasn't even funny. Like, and I took that art, moved to Atlanta and made seven grand, um, probably in about, I did this thing, it was the Black Arts Festival. So that Black Arts Festival was a week. And in that week I made seven grand, so. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's like everything that I made at school made me that seven grand. You feel me? So, so yeah, do it and, and sell the podcast to, to somebody else. <laughs> yes, sir. And uh, before we go, I do, I wanted to make sure that I got the quote you did say from uh, your neighbor, Mr. Tyrus, right? You said. Uh, Tyrus. Yeah, Tyrus Smalley. Tyrus Small, shouts out to him. Uh, fear kills Kill. pursuit, and pursuit kills fear. Comfort kills pursuit. Comfort kills pursuit. Okay. Like, if you're comfortable, you ain't got nothing to work for. You're comfortable. Comfort kills pursuit. 
And the other thing that kills your pursuits is your fear. Like if you are scared to go for it, then you won't. So the only thing to solve it is to pursue. You just have to go. Like comfort kills pursuit and fear kills pursuit. Wow. It's true. That's true. That is so if you don't ever go for it, then your 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 pursuits are are they're dead. Like <laughs> I, I, it, it, it's just that easy. Is is just that easy. So either either you know, like say either you're gonna do this podcast or you're not. Like you're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna send me to an email. Either you do or you don't. Either I'm gonna say yes or no. Yeah. You were a yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so now we are in pursuit of this interview. Yeah. That's it. That's, it. That, that's that's like any any goals that you have or anything that you want. You just think about it. Are you comfortable? If you're too comfortable, then you you won't do. You don't you don't want to get off the couch. You don't want to do stuff. But if it's cold and and you're sleeping on the floor, which I did, I slept on a on a warehouse floor for three years because I wanted to do this. This is what I wanted to do. But that uncomfortable part of that made me pursue to continue to like, I gotta get my butt off this floor. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then you work your way up and like, boom, next thing you know, you got a big studio and you got a loft and it's like, whoa, how did I do this? I was just sleeping on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For three years. But yeah, you just That's, go for it, man. Of course, yeah. And that's a message for everybody else too. Just make sure you go for it. Either you are or either you aren't. Are you that's, aren't. It. that's it? There is no in between, brother. Like that's it. It's it. I, I don't, I everybody don't. listening that's got a goal right now, you heard it here first. <laughs> you either gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. So you might as well just do it. But Nike got it right, right? Nike, exactly. See. There you go. That's what makes that thing work. Because the just do it thing is it's it's, it's brilliant. Just that should be the title of this uh, episode. Just do it. <laughs> That's on you. You you the <laughs> content creator, bro. <laughs> I'm just some guy rambling <laughs> from Florence, Alabama, rambling. Oh man, you certainly you certainly come a long way. But <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. We really do appreciate you, and we. Yeah. We value your work and all the things that you contribute, and we will always support you and people like you. So thank you so much. Thanks, man. Yeah, and 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 and, and I'll come back and and when you do your other podcast, we we do that one too. Bet. Appreciate. It. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Okay. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having us on your screens. This has been the Soda Pop Podcast. We wish you a, bid you a special adieu, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey guys, make sure to check out all of our social medias. Feel free to send us your feedback at arts at una.edu or through the DMs of any of our social media. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you in the future. This podcast has been brought to you by UNA School of the Arts. Executive producer is Mark Gallegos, co-produced by Selena Fugate and Tyler Hankins. Special thanks to Dr. Terrence Brown and the entire SOTA staff.